What is going on, guys? It is your boy Jacobs here, flying solo for the first time here on the North-South Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Unfortunately, well, unfortunately for me, my co-host, The Shorts, is in Clearwater, Florida. Very fortunate for him. Uh, I hope he is enjoying himself. With that being said, though, I am by myself, rocking a solo pod for you guys. So, without further ado... I'm going to go ahead and just hop right in for you. I'm going to go ahead and look at uh, the madness that is March. I know we've said it before. I'll say it again. March madness, the best time of the year. Or if you are my bracket, or I guess most people's bracket at this point, quite possibly the worst time of the year. I can officially say I am so far past eliminated looking at my bracket. It is just so bad. I got a paper copy here in front of me. First two days didn't go great, but you know, it's, we talked about it last weekend. It's not the end of the world. You go through that whole first weekend. Looked like I still might have a shot. Arizona, the team I had taken to go all the way, did survive that first weekend, but barely beating TCU in that round of 32 matchup and did fall to Houston pretty easily in the Sweet 16. All but knocking me out, especially watching Purdue go down to St. Peter's, who let me just say kudos to the St. Peter's Peacocks. Declan was right. Jacobs is wrong. I did not give them a chance, not a single chance, to win against Purdue. And I was very wrong. And I will be the first person to tell you that St. Pete did eventually go down to North Carolina. Shout out to you if you had North Carolina and St. Peter's in the Elite Eight out of the East, because I promise you, you didn't. But if you did, kudos. The cool thing I think I can appreciate now is, A, seeing a 15 seed make the Elite Eight for the first time ever. <clears throat> but also, B, seeing a matchup of North Carolina Duke in the NCAA tournament for the first time ever making some history this year in 2022. What has been just a dramatic tournament, Coach K's final tournament, his last stand coming against North Carolina, bitter foes of Tobacco Road. Is this going to be it? It would only be right, I guess, 
I know for a lot of people, if Coach K went out on top winning a title, but let me tell you, to a lot of people down here in North Carolina and all over the country, how poetic would it be for the first ever matchup of North Carolina-Duke in the tournament? North Carolina takes out Duke to go to the national championship game. Even if they don't win, that's a win for North Carolina fans, if we're being real here. Of course, Tar Heel fans, they want to win the title. Going into the season, you had higher expectations for this UNC team. A top 25 team for sure. But as of a month, month and a half ago, this team was very much on the bubble going into the tournament. Did make a good run at the end of the season. Really started clicking under new coach Hubert Davis and upset Baylor taking out the first number one seed, made it all the way now to not just the East Regional Final in Philly, but all the way to New Orleans facing their bitter rivals, Duke. And while, like I said, I have Arizona, had Arizona since they are completely out now, I did get Kansas. Kansas, they are my only Final Four team I have remaining. Texas Tech, Purdue, both lost in the Sweet 16, as did Arizona. Safe to say that my Friday, Saturday night, or my Thursday, Friday night, excuse me, uh, did not go to plan. (laughs) Gonzaga losing wasn't the biggest deal for me. Texas Tech, Purdue, and Arizona were the biggest deal for me, and that was the end of my tournament. So I can be a fan, officially, and root for a really, really cool rematch between Kansas and Villanova of what I believe was the 2018 Final Four, when Villanova absolutely dismantled Kansas to go on to the championship game and defeat my boys from Michigan. Go Blue, even if they lost to Nova. Nova's almost like a team of destiny, I feel like. The big thing to watch out for with Villanova this year, though, especially right at the end of that game against Houston, you hate to see Justin Moore, one of their star players. They officially confirmed he did tear his Achilles. He's going to be out That's a huge loss for a Villanova team that really only runs about six or seven deep. You're going to need a lot more minutes from a couple guys off the bench now against a Kansas team that doesn't necessarily have a huge star. They just play really well together, and they absolutely put together a phenomenal second half against Miami today in the Elite Eight, punching their ticket to New Orleans in the Final Four. Guys, I'm so excited for next Saturday. While, of course, it's nice, you know, rooting for some money and some big wins, I'm very excited to be able to sit back, relax, and enjoy the action of the Final Four. Moving on, we have, with no to shorts here, some good NFL predictions. We did really only have one big move in the NFL this past week. We had Matt Ryan shockingly getting traded well shockingly I guess finally not being a Falcon it wasn't quite as surprising after the Falcons did make the play for Deshaun Watson failed to get him I think the right thing to do was to uh, rectify that situation with Matt Ryan move him to Indianapolis who I really did think was going to get somebody like a Baker Mayfield Matt Ryan moving on to Indianapolis for the third starting quarterback in as many years now or fourth actually if you want to go back to Andrew Luck, to Philip Rivers, to Carson Wentz, and now to Matt Ryan. I really do think this is the best chance Matt Ryan's going to have to win another ring. With how loaded the AFC is, though, I don't even believe they're the best team in their own division, which we will get to here in a minute. Is this Frank Reich's last stand 
as Indianapolis's quarter uh, coach, excuse me, with his new quarterback, Matt Ryan, you got to wonder. I mean, if he makes the playoffs, do they keep him? Maybe you draft another quarterback, bring somebody else in. But, I mean, to have four quarterbacks in four years now, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they have a very, very good roster. You got to wonder, it gets to a certain point. Even if you're winning games and you're going to the playoffs, how much patience does ownership have and the GM have with Coach Reich and the rest of that staff? With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and start up some predictions for next season. Declan and I already gave you our way too early predictions for next season right after the Super Bowl. With all of the free agency moves now, I do have a little bit of predictions. I'm sure the shorts will hear these and he'll give a little bit of a rebuttal next week. But with him not being here, I don't have to explain myself quite as much. But I'll give you some good in-depth uh, insight, I believe. I'm going to go ahead and start with the NFC least. Oh, excuse me, East. Sorry, NFC East fans. Going to go from 4-1. to one. We have in the cellar, fourth place, I have the New York football Giants. Third place, the Washington Commanders. Second place, the Philadelphia Eagles. And in first place, even with some of the losses that they have had, especially along the offensive line, which I do think is a bit of a uh, a problem area now for the Cowboys, I do have the Dallas Cowboys winning the NFC East. I do believe they still have the best quarterback in the division, even with the Carson Wentz trade, who I believe personally makes the Giants have the second, uh, excuse me, the Commanders have the second best quarterback situation in the division of the NFC East. Yes, that means Jalen Hurts is the third best quarterback with Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones in fourth. I just think Dallas has so much firepower on offense and has enough on defense to get them by. So that's why I have Dallas 1, Philly 2, Washington 3, and New York 4. The NFC South, I did have Atlanta at number 1. That was with Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley, who has now been suspended for the entire year, and Matt Ryan, who's now in Indianapolis. So my NFC South has changed because Tom Brady is also back. He is no longer retired. So with that being said, I have Atlanta going all the way from one to four. I now have them at number four. I have New Orleans at number three and Carolina at number two, leaving Tampa at number one. I do think Carolina and New Orleans could very easily flip-flop. And if Atlanta rectifies their quarterback situation a little bit more, maybe they could move up a little bit. I don't have much faith in that team as well anymore, though, without Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley. I do think Tampa is obviously still the class of the division. Even losing somebody like an Ali Marpet along the line, they bring back a lot of key pieces now that Brady has returned right before free agency had begun. And that roster is just very, very formidable in a very, very stinky division, if you do ask me. So I do like Tampa to win that. Carolina, New Orleans, I think is a toss-up for two and three. And I have Atlanta in the basement, number four. The NFC North, it is the Green Bay Packers and everybody else. And that is coming from a Chicago Bears fan. Even losing Devontae Adams, moving on from him, Aaron Rodgers being the greedy, selfish narcissist that he is, I do believe Green Bay is number one, and it is not close. I think Green Bay won. I think the same thing that can be said with numbers two and number three in the NFC South can be said in the NFC North. I think I do have Chicago probably some bias right now. And number two, even after the Khalil Mack trade and losing some pieces, 
Minnesota at three, I just don't trust Kirk Cousins at all. And I think Justin Fields has a very high ceiling as the Bears quarterback going forward. But I very much could see Minnesota finishing second in that division, rounded out by the Detroit Lions in the number four spot. The NFC West, I have number four, the Seattle Seahawks. Moving on from Russell Wilson really signifies the true rebuild, getting rid of Bobby Wagner. Uh, I don't know if DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett will both be there coming on to the season. I still think one, if not both of them, could be moved before the season begins. I think they are very far and away the worst team in the NFC West and a loaded NFC West. Um, I think San Francisco is number three. I believe that whether it be Jimmy Garoppolo, who still is on the roster as of today, uh, or Trey Lance, who I know they would like to be the quarterback going forward, I do feel as though they are the third most talented roster in this division. Uh, I feel that they are very, very close behind the Arizona Cardinals, who I have at number two in the NFC West. But I do think that the Cardinals keep taking steps forward. While I'm not sold completely on Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray is a star. DeAndre Hopkins is a top five wide receiver in football, and they have talent all over the ball, even losing somebody like a Christian Kirk, um, who got that bag from the Jaguars, let me tell you, that money. And the Super Bowl champion, defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, rounding out the NFC West at number one. I think that's very easy to put them there. You know, they did just win the Super Bowl, bring back a lot of talent, lose somebody like a Von Miller. We'll see if they bring back somebody like Odell Beckham. They do trade Robert Woods to the Titans, but they did bring in Allen Robinson. That's a big move for them. Uh, I love Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup together. A great one-two punch for the Los Angeles Rams, who I have, as of right now, winning the NFC West. Moving into the AFC, we're going to go with the AFC West. I think at number four in my opinion, the best division in all of football. Even with the humongous trade of bringing in Devontae Adams and bringing in Chandler Jones to rush the passer with Max Crosby, I feel as though the Las Vegas Raiders, the Vegas Raiders, that's my boy Steve Zanelli, shout out. I know he'll love that. I do feel like they are still the bottom of the division, and that is taking nothing away from the Vegas Raiders. I think all four teams in this division can very easily not just make the playoffs, but go on a run in the playoffs. So I think the Raiders at number four, anything could happen in the loaded, absolutely loaded AFC West. Number three, even after trading for their guy, well, I guess their second guy, they might not say it. You know they wanted Aaron Rodgers first. The new-look Denver Broncos with the incredibly talented young roster. Bringing in Russell Wilson is huge for this team, but just with how good this whole division is, it's stacked, it's loaded. I have them at number three. I have the Kansas City Chiefs at number two, taking a step back behind the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers went out and made some huge moves in free agency and bringing in Khalil Mack via trade, for not much, quite honestly, from the Chicago Bears. Gets the Bears some salary cap relief in the next year or two years and gives the Chargers somebody to pair with Joey Bosa on a horrendous defense to hopefully give Justin Herbert some more time on the field to get some more points up for that offense. The Chiefs getting rid of Tyreek Hill. They're going to be losing Tyron Matthew. Yes, they're bringing in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I just don't know how much it's really going to help. Travis Kelsey is going to be asked to step up so much. And while I do think he is the best tight end in football, 
he can be injury prone occasionally. And if they just keep giving him all this workload, they're going to shorten his career eventually. One of these years, Kansas City is going to take a small step back. I think this might be the year. I do feel that they are still a playoff team. I don't feel as though they are the best team in their division anymore. I think that honor belongs to the Los Angeles Chargers. The AFC North, I have. At number four, the Cleveland Browns. Even after trading for Deshaun Watson, you have the whole mess with Baker Mayfield. You bring in Amari Cooper. You let Jarvis Landry go. I just don't know what to make of this team. You don't even know if Deshaun Watson's going to be able to play. The NFL still could suspend him, even with the charges gone, let alone how I might feel about Watson as a person. He is, as of now, eligible to play, which would mean anything could happen in that AFC North. If he is not eligible to play, they will absolutely finish in last in the AFC North, even with a relatively good roster around him. I just feel as though somebody like Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I have at number three in the AFC North, call me crazy, Mitch Trubisky can lead that team to the playoffs. Yes, I said it. Mitch Trubisky can lead the Pittsburgh Steelers to the playoffs. Will he? I don't know because the AFC is loaded, but that roster is incredibly talented. The defense is phenomenal. He has wide receivers to throw the ball to and a star running back in Najee Harris coming into his second year. I really like the Pittsburgh Steelers. And like I said, with the same thing with the Cleveland Browns, anything can happen in the AFC North. They very well could finish first, but I have them finishing a third. I have them behind at number two, the Cincinnati Bengals, and at number one, the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens at number one, I feel as though even though Cincinnati did win that division last year and went to the Super Bowl, I just don't see Baltimore performing the way they did this past year, again this season. They had the worst luck on injuries in the NFL, and they're bringing in some more key pieces to help bolster that roster around Lamar, and I just think they are incredibly talented, and I think it is their division to lose. The Baltimore Ravens I have at number one in the AFC North. My AFC South, I'm going to go number one through four. Tennessee Titans, number one. Indianapolis Colts, number two. The Jacksonville Jaguars, number three. And the Houston Texans, at four, Houston, Jacksonville, self-explanatory. I do think Jacksonville will be better. I did have them at number two originally in our in our first uh, way too early power rankings for the NFL with DeShorts and me. I just think Indianapolis going ahead and bringing in Matt Ryan, while I do enjoy Carson Wentz a lot more than a lot of people do, especially some of my Eagles fans, my friends that are Eagles fans, I think Matt Ryan is a... Very, very capable quarterback. Possibly even more so than Carson Wentz. And while I think Wentz's ceiling is a little bit higher than Matt Ryan's, with you know Ryan being older in his career now, a little bit more advanced, I do think Matt Ryan is more steady. I think he's a little bit more uh, capable as a veteran presence and maybe a little bit more of a leader. I'll give him that over Carson Wentz. So I think they're going to be number two. Uh, I do feel as though... It is still the Titans division to lose, especially after going out and making a trade for Robert Woods. You move on from Julio Jones, who hardly played at all. So you pair Julio, or excuse me, A.J. Brown with Robert Woods. Great one-two combo. Derrick Henry, best running back in football. Tannehill, very, very uh, reliable quarterback. And a defense that can get the job done. Great head coach, Mike Vrabel. Great city to party in, in Nashville. <laughs> We're going to ride the Titan train and move them in 
to the playoffs as the divisional winner from the AFC South, leaving only the AFC East, the New York Jets, obviously, number four. A little flip I had. I had the Dolphins at number three originally. I'm going to have the Patriots at number three. Losing J.C. Jackson, a cornerback, is a big deal. They don't have a lot of offensive firepower, and somebody like a J.C. Jackson helps that defense keep the offense on the field longer and keeps the opposing offenses off the field longer. Losing J.C. Jackson is a huge loss for the Patriots, and I think that's really going to hurt them this year, especially with Miami now gaining somebody like a Tyreek Hill and the humongous trade that I don't think anybody saw coming. Kind of happened out of nowhere for the Chiefs to the Dolphins. The new coach, Mike McDaniel, the only thing I can say is for Tua, it's now or never. If he can't do it with this roster, and I believe he can, but if he can't, he's got to go, and it's time for somebody else to come in. I do still feel as though Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills, bringing in Von Miller and just solidifying that team as the best in the AFC East, quite possibly the best roster, not just in the AFC East, the AFC, but also in all of the NFL, the Buffalo Bills at number one in the AFC East. That rounds out my NFL predictions. I will go ahead and say, uh, let's see, since we have our divisional winners, we'll make my early playoff picks. Dallas. Tampa, Green Bay, and LA. I do think the NFC West will get at least two teams, if not three teams. The Arizona Cardinals will make it. I do believe the Philadelphia Eagles will also make it. So that's going to give you our six. I don't see anybody from the NFC South or the NFC North. If there is a team that sneaks in, it might be the Carolina Panthers or the Minnesota Vikings. I don't see Chicago or New Orleans sneaking in. Maybe San Fran, but I think those are our six or seven teams. AFC, we have Buffalo, Tennessee, Baltimore, and the LA Chargers. The Chiefs are also in. I think Cincinnati is in. That's six. Then you have between the Colts, the Dolphins, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Steelers, maybe the Patriots. I think I see the Broncos sneaking in. You get three teams from the AFC West. Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos. Ravens, Bengals, Titans, Bills. Those are all 14 teams I have making the playoffs in the NFL. Moving on, let's look at some MLB. Not too much MLB news happening this past week, kind of like the NFL. A couple things in the NFL happened, but nothing major in Major League Baseball happening. So I'm just going to go ahead and give you, just like I did with my football predictions, we're going to give you some MLB predictions. Go ahead and go ahead and start with the AL East. Great, great division. Very, very tight. Top four teams. Four of the five teams are all perennial playoff teams. The Orioles have no shot. I do enjoy my Baltimore Orioles baseball. Right behind my Philadelphia Phillies baseball. They stand no chance to make the playoffs this year. I have the Blue Jays at one with that incredible lineup. uh, Rounding out, topping the AL East. Red Sox at two, the Rays at three, the Yankees at four, just missing the playoffs. I have the Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Rays all making the postseason in the expanded playoffs now for baseball, and the Orioles at number five. In the AL Central, I have two playoff teams. I have at one, Chicago White Sox, and the Minnesota Twins. Took a step back last year, but bringing in Carlos Correa this year, giving Byron Buxton 
the big extension they gave him. I really like what Minnesota has done. I think they are very much a contender in the AL Central, but I do think it is Chicago's division to lose. Therefore, I have the White Sox at one, the Twins at two, both in the playoffs, though. I have the Tigers at three, making a step, taking a step up, making a better name for themselves. I like what A.J. Hinch has to offer as a manager, cheater or not, with the Astros. That's up for interpretation. He's a very good manager. They signed some pretty good players, Eduardo Rodriguez, Javi Baez, people like that. It's going to be an improved team. I just think that they are not quite there yet on the fence of the playoffs, but not quite there. So at number three, I think the Cleveland Guardians do take another step back this year. I have them at number four, and the Kansas City Royals at number five. AL West, I have one team making the playoffs, and it is not the Houston Astros. It is indeed the Seattle Mariners. Just missed out on the playoffs last year. Even with a terrible run differential, they are a very talented team. Brought in some better pieces this year. Headlined by Robbie Ray, the AL Cy Young Award winner. I think he continues the pace he is on. Truly helps a team like the Seattle Mariners. Pushes them into the playoffs. I have the Astros at two. Just very narrowly missing out on the playoffs because of how good the AL East is. I have the Angels at three. Trout, Otani, and Rendon. One of the best trios in all of baseball, if not the best trio. I just don't think they have enough talent on that entire roster, for the entirety of the roster, to compete for a playoff position. I think they will just miss out on the wild card, them and the Astros. I have the Rangers at four. I like what they did, bringing in Simeon and Seager. But there are so many holes in that roster. Even bringing in John Gray, pitcher from the Rockies, they're not there yet. They're a couple years away. And the Oakland Athletics at number five, that's an easy one for me. Giving away your three best players, losing somebody like a Starling Marte, they are very much in the business of not competing this year. And I don't see them hovering anywhere near the 500 mark. I think they're going to be well below 500 and the worst team in the AL West. National League East. I think you have to go with the defending World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, in the playoff position. I have the New York Mets, even with all of the moves they made. I do think the Braves are the class of the division. And until I see the Mets actually perform at the level they are capable of, and somebody like a Jacob deGrom stays healthy for an entire season, I'm going to put them at number two. They very well could finish first. They could finish third, fourth. I think I'm going to have them at number two for now. I have the Philadelphia Phillies at number three, and a very close number three. While they have quite possibly the worst defense in all of baseball, they have one of the best offenses in all of baseball, and a very underrated starting rotation. Well, the bullpen could have its woes. I think it will be a little bit more improved this year again. I just think they are a fringe playoff team, not quite at Atlanta or New York's level, but not very far behind them either. I have the Marlins at four. I like a lot of the moves they made. The Miami Marlins, though, very young, uh, very injury-prone team. Ownership doesn't spend a lot of money generally. I have them number four in a very tough NL East, and I have the Nationals at number five. While I do think next year and maybe the following year, that can change. This year, not so much. Nationals, Cellar Dwellers, NL East. Book it. NL Central. The Milwaukee Brewers will be the divisional champions. I have them in the playoffs, followed by the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cincinnati Reds, the Chicago Cubs, and the lonely Pittsburgh Pirates. One of the best stadiums in all of baseball, one of the worst teams in all of baseball. Doesn't add up, 
but I still love it. PNC Park, great place to watch a baseball game. Not if you're a Pirates fan, though. Go in as a visitor. Go see a good team. Pirates stink. Baseball Park is great. I think the Brewers are the class of that division. Even with Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt in St. Louis, I just think that the duo of Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are just absolutely incredible. Quite possibly the best one-two punch in all baseball. NL West, have to go with the Dodgers, I think. Especially adding Freddie Freeman. That lineup is just dumb. It's it's so deep. It's, I mean, it's an all-star lineup. It's a video game lineup. I don't know what else really there is to say about that team. The whole team is just incredible. Dave Roberts came out and said, we're going to win the World Series. And I think as as a Dodgers fan, it's obviously World Series or bust. If they don't win it, you got to wonder. Do you just have to break up the team and try over again at this point? The Padres, I think, are going to finish second, while the Giants, who I have at third this year, were one of the best teams in all of baseball last year. You have to wonder, well, I do think they're going to be a good team still. I just don't think they can repeat the success they had this past season, especially losing Buster Posey. He might not produce at you know the MVP level that he once produced at, but he was the heart and soul of that team. And I think losing him and somebody like a Chris Bryan, who's now with the Rockies, I do think that is going to affect the team. And I do have them at number three behind the San Diego Padres, who I think bringing in Bob Melvin for the Padres is a huge upgrade uh, for that young team. While Fernando Tatis is going to miss some time, I think that's going to cost them the divisional race, but I do think they will finish in second and make the playoffs. The Rockies and Diamondbacks, four and five in the NL West. It's just those two teams are not very good. Even with Chris Bryant in Colorado, he's going to sell some jerseys. They're going to sell some merchandise. He's going to hit some baseballs pretty far. That team is not very good, though. It's going to be a one-man show in Colorado. So my playoff teams in the NL, uh, in the National League, we have the Dodgers and the Padres out of the West, the Brewers out of the Central, and the Braves, Mets, and the Phillies in the NL East. In the AL, I have the Blue Jays, Red Sox, Rays out of the East, White Sox and Twins out of the Central, and the Mariners in the West. Therefore, Seattle Mariners break baseballs, longest postseason drought, make the playoffs, and the Phillies break the second longest drought and make the playoffs. Those are my Major League Baseball predictions, guys. Moving into our top 10 list of the week. This week, going to keep it nice and simple. Since there's not quite as much going on in the NBA right now, ramping up for the playoffs, let's go ahead and give you our top 10 NBA players. I don't have a rebuttal with the shorts, so I'm just going to give you what I got. Number 10, James Harden. Philadelphia 76ers, while he is a very controversial player at times, he is incredibly talented. He gives the Sixers, along with Joel Embiid, a chance to win every single night, even when he's not scoring all the points, whether it's his rebounds, his facilitating with the assists. James Harden is a top 10 player at number 10 on my list. Number nine, I have Jason Tatum. One of the best scorers in all of basketball. Should have been a sixer. Brian Colangelo messed that one up royally. But he is a Boston Celtic. He's number nine on my list. So much fun to watch, even as a Sixers fan. Jason Tatum can just light up a scoreboard. Incredibly talented. And 
one of the brightest stars in our league now and moving forward into the future. Number eight, I have Steph Chef Curry, the best three-point shooter in the history of the National Basketball Association. He is the cog, other than Draymond Green, that makes the Golden State Warriors run. Excuse me. Say that three times fast. (laughs) Steph Curry is a transcendent player and still, in my opinion, a top 10 player in all of basketball. And number seven, I have Ja Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies. What he has done in his now two seasons, not quite two full seasons, has just been remarkable. Uh, Ja Morant, two or three seasons now, either way. He's so much fun to watch. And the Memphis Grizzlies are just a phenomenal story. And without John Morant, they are 16-2. and two. That's incredible. A top 10 player in all of the NBA, John Morant. And the Grizzlies are incredible without him. Taylor Jenkins has done a phenomenal job with the Grizzlies. John Morant, an absolutely electric player to watch. I have him at number 7 on my list. And number 6, I'm going to go with the Slovenian magician, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Mania, he's a wizard. He can do everything on a basketball court. Had the incredible buzzer beater against the Clippers two years ago in the bubble in the NBA playoffs. One of the best Mike Breen double bang calls. Luka is so much fun to watch. Like I said with Jason Tatum, and even, you know, to include John Morant, the future is bright for our league because of those three players. And I thoroughly enjoy watching my man Luca ball out on a nightly basis in a Dallas Mavs uniform. Number five, I have the Joker, the reigning MVP of the NBA, Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. This season, especially more than others, has really proven to me how great Jokic is. Losing Michael Porter Jr., just a few weeks into the season and not having Jamal Murray at all this season. It has been so impressive what Jokic has done carrying this undermanned Denver Nuggets team into the playoffs. Very much deserving to be in the MVP conversation. Maybe not, in my opinion, the MVP of the league this year, but very deserving of a top three spot. Number four, I do have old man LeBron, LeBron James, LeBron James, uh, I do think he is no longer the best player in the NBA. I have changed my mind forever. I said he was number one. I just don't think his body can cooperate on a nightly basis anymore. He's still incredible. He's still a top two player of all time. Yes, I said it. I don't think... He any longer is the best player in the NBA. LeBron had a great run. I just don't think it's his league anymore. You'll see in just a second who I have at number one. Number three, I have Giannis, the Greek freak, Antetokounmpo. Two-time MVP, reigning NBA Finals MVP and NBA Finals champion. The Greek freak is... Just a phenomenal story to see the transformation he's made over his time in the NBA. 
not just his body either, but his game. He was a super, super skinny kid. He looked a lot like KD when he came into the league, and he bulked up big time. Added the three-point shot. He's a great rebounder. He can facilitate. He can even shoot now, like I said, a little bit. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Antetokounmpo, excuse me, at number three on my list. Just a phenomenal player. A generational talent for the Bucks. Number two, I have the best center in all of basketball. Joel, the process, Embiid of the Sixers. Quite honestly, the MVP frontrunner this season would have been the MVP, in my opinion, last season, if not for injuries, missing as much time as he did, even missing a bunch of time for COVID this year. He really has finally been able to put it all together and stay healthy, relatively healthy, all season long, other than his bout with COVID. Never have we seen a center win the scoring title since Shaquille O'Neal early in the 2000s. Joel is pushing for a scoring title this year. It'd be really cool to see. Joel Embiid, number two. Leaving Kevin Durant at number one. I left off some of the Kyrie Irving. You know, plenty of other players as well. You know, Jalen Brown, I guess, could have a name. Chris Paul, Devin Booker. There's a whole bunch of players. Uh, I won't go into everybody. Kevin Durant's number one. It's not close, in my opinion. What he can do on a basketball court at his height of seven foot, to dribble the way he does, to run the way he does, to shoot the way... It's just... Everything he does, he's he's flawless on a basketball court. He plays very good defense as well. He's long, he's lanky, and he very well could by himself lead the knee, uh, the Brooklyn Nets to an NBA title. I don't know if he will. I don't believe he will, but he very well could, which is why I think Kevin Durant is officially the greatest player in the world, number one on my list. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was my top ten list of the week top 10 NBA players right now well guys I know it's a little bit shorter of an episode and you're probably sick of hearing just me talk by myself so with that being said we're gonna wrap it up here thank you so much for listening don't you worry we will have the shorts back next week we'll get some good talk in me and my man Declan in the meantime go ahead Hit us up on Facebook, the North South Podcast. Like us on Facebook. Keep your eye out for any content. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. We are all over social media. Guys, have a great rest of your week, a great start to your week. Whenever you listen to our podcast, share it with your friends, your family, everybody. Listen all the time. We're here for you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. This has been the North South Podcast. Jacob's saying peace out. And for my man Declan, douches. Nothing. Pick it with the best in the game on the mic. Nothing but respect, but you know we gotta fight. Hot.
tanks, know we bring the heat like a blisto. Strong will, keeping it a hundred like a pitch though. Woo! Gotta bring the passion, brothers don't miss that play, they splashing. All the talk shows worth south, your favorites. You ain't gonna wanna skip like Bayless. <laughs> Coming to you live and CPA, the true boys with the smarts, no GPA. So tune in, listen up, cause there's more to know. It's north south, turn it up and enjoy the show.